Fulhamish is brought to you by NordVPN, a way of accessing sports matches, TV shows and films which aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location to a country which is showing the event. For instance, if you want to follow the Ashes or the Formula One this summer whilst you're on holiday using your existing subscriptions, you can do that just by flicking back your location to the UK. Or if you find a channel overseas that shows the sports matches you want at a much cheaper price, you can flick your location over to there and get around the geo blocks that are in place. NordVPN is roughly the same price as a cup of coffee a month and you can very easily make your money back with the savings you'll find on subscriptions, flights and so many other things. Right now, you can grab an exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash Fulhamish to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus a bonus gift. Best of all, it's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Once again, that's nordvpn.com slash Fulhamish. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James. Welcome to the show. Today is another episode of the FFC Transfer Show. And once again, we're talking about people that might be leaving Fulham. It felt like chaos at the weekend. Both our left wingers gone, potentially, and even maybe our manager to Saudi Arabia. Today, we'll be looking at whether Marco Silva will stay at Fulham. And is there any chance, even a small chance, of keeping Willian and Manor Solomon? Probably not. We'll also look on a happier note at some players that might be arriving at Craven Cottage. Lots of loose rumours. We'll try and decipher the fact from the fiction. Joined today by our transfer insider, Dean Jones. Hello. Hello, mate. Jack Collins, hello. Hello, Sammy. Hello, listeners. And one half of the Jack and Joe show, Jack Kelly. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. How are you all feeling? I went on a stag this weekend to Newcastle. I'm a broken man, so I apologise in advance for my rugby well, hosting performance. Yeah, I feel better than that, so that's good. Yeah, I, I, I don't have that, that that hanging over me this morning. Yeah, good. I, to be honest, like um, I'm just this uh, sad point of the transfer window where I'd just ha- be happy if the season starts and we've got what we had last season. <laughs> that's literally where I'm at right now, and it's it's not that exciting, is it, for us? But it you just don't want any of those pieces to fall apart because if it does start to crumble, who knows how far it goes. Yeah, well, uh, Jack, let's start off with Marco Silva. Yeah. Uh, this was, um, I mean, if anything, was going to rile up uh, Fulham Twitter on uh, on Friday night. It was definitely the links uh, of Marco Silva uh, potentially going to Al-Halal. Um, it, it seems like there is some genuine truth that he was offered this staggering contract offer 17 million pounds a year but it seems like he might be staying at Craven Cottage but for one point over the weekend I was definitely starting to get worried even though I thought Marcus Silva going to Saudi Arabia went against everything I thought about Marcus Silva sometimes when you get offered that amount of money people's morals, principles, ambitions just go out the window. Yeah, I, I, I mean, look, it's they are staggering fees that we're talking about here and, and we can see heads being turned left, right and centre across the world of football. So he wouldn't be the only one if his head had been turned. I mean, the good news is that Marco Silva will not be the manager of Al-Hilal at the start of next season because they have appointed George Jesus. So that's good in that we, we know that they're, they're not going to appoint him. Now, obviously, that doesn't rule out all moves to Saudi Arabia, but it, it does at least take one off the table. And it was the club that were most heavily linked with, with coveting him. So that I think that's probably a, a good sign. And the reports coming out on, on Saturday and Sunday that it looked like it made a U-turn and now was going to sign a longer-term contract at Craven Cottage feel like good news because Friday night felt slightly apocalyptic at times, I think, with, with the kind of messages on the group chats and everyone going a little bit wild. Um, it, it did look quite bleak for a couple of hours, but ultimately it looks far better sitting here on Monday morning than it did at that point on Friday. So that's something to cling on to. As I say, he wouldn't be the only one with his head being turned by these sums of money and and they are staggering. And that's got to be put into context, I think, when people are looking at these. But the signs and the portents, if you will, look, look positive right now. And, and I'll take that. Jack, I mean, 
I, I on Friday night was quite brazen and I tweeted Marco Silva won't go Saudi Arabia. Um, and that I was mean, brave. It, yeah, <laughs> it was it really was, brave. I, I, I thought you had some real insight there because I tweeted not long before that. I was like, Sammy got some insight. I haven't got. I should probably message. No insight. <laughs> it was just something deep inside me felt like. Yeah, I felt like deep inside you was fourteen Jaeger bombs in a Newcastle club. <laughs> <laughs> Potentially, I just thought that. For Marco, it didn't make sense as a move, apart from the money. And sometimes money does that, you know, where moves don't make sense, but money money talks eventually. But my feeling was, is that Marco's redemption arc is different to other managers. He has just proven himself as a Premier League manager, but it's not like he's completely won everyone over. He is ambitious. I see Marco Silva... He goes to bed at night and he dreams of lifting the Champions League trophy. That's the kind of manager that Marco Silva is. Some managers just want a job and they just want to be paid. And therefore they don't. But I genuinely think Marco Silva sees himself at that very top level. And I felt like whatever the money was in Saudi Arabia, it does not get you any closer. In fact, it probably takes you further away from that ambition. And that was my feeling that I just I couldn't believe that this was happening. Yeah, no, it was it was actually on Friday night quite a scary prospect, and it was getting more and more real. Um, but look, I've I've been lucky enough to you know be around Marco Silva quite a lot last season, and he gave all the signs that he was ambitious. There was a project; he was really buying into it, and the players were buying into it. So uh, when this rumbled around this rumor, I thought, oh, surely not! Like, not not again, because obviously you know his history with Watford and he jumped to Everton and then it didn't work out. And I was thinking his thought process might've been, he was tempted, you know, shiny new contract, lots of money. All the players are going there at the moment. I get it. But I think maybe he might've gone, oh, actually I've sort of committed myself to this project here at Fulham. And it would be such a, uh, just such a backward step to actually leave that and go to Saudi Arabia. Um, so, I think maybe, like I said, he was tempted and he's probably gone, yeah, actually, I've got something good here at Fulham. I've got good backing from the ownership. Um, the fans adore me. The players adore me. And, and we're playing good football. Um, I think it's the right decision to stay. It's not, you know, he hasn't signed a contract yet, but um, it makes sense for all parties that he stays. And I think once he, once maybe he does sign that contract, then the wheels are in motion for this summer to sort of get started and we can start looking towards signing some new players and maybe signing some of those out of contract players on new contracts. We shall see. But yeah, it was a, it was a big weekend, but hopefully it's, it's, it's one that we can put behind us and, and say Marco is, is here to stay. Sammy, I'll tell you what got, got me there when you were like, oh, I feel like he's got ambition to be a, a Champions League manager and things like that. Well, here's the cynical side of me that was at work on, on Friday night when, because I had, you know, I'd heard, obviously I did tweet about it. I don't often tweet about Fulham things, to be honest, but um, there was an offer there and I was like, this is, a, this is an outlandish amount of money. Like, this is a big thing to turn down and I was, I was dreading it. And I was like, well, but why would he go there? And obviously, like the Saudi club, the four big Saudi clubs at the moment are owned by PIF. And there are a lot of whispers about the fact that eventually this is going to have a knock-on effect to, for people to end up at Newcastle. So I was thinking, well, hang on. Eddie Howe at some point will come under pressure in his job. Eddie Howe won't be at Newcastle for the next, say, five years. He might be. He might, if he gets through this season, he'll done well, to be honest, because the expectations he set last season at Newcastle. So the cynical side of me was like, Oh no, what if Marco Silva's been told that he'll be in line with a good shout of being the next Newcastle manager who will be in the Champions League? That is the kind of way that I could see that going if he was gonna if it was gonna happen. Now thankfully like this isn't come off obviously and they've got they've got a manager and it's not him, but I don't know, maybe um maybe I'm just overthinking things. But knowing that there's already talk in Saudi Arabia about players making internal loans within the organisation to end up at Newcastle, knowing that they've got these huge plans, obviously, to just continue this until they do win the Champions League at Newcastle. Ah, oh, yeah, that's that's the thing that started niggling away at me beyond the money. I, I guess, though, like, that is quite a convoluted way to potentially try and get the Newcastle job. 
Like, it is, 100%. That's quite, yeah. And, you know, you're fully uh, trusting that it all kind of works well, that Eddie Howe does mess up, whereas there are another... 32 teams in the Champions League, maybe another 12 that have a reasonable shot every year of, of, of winning it. I just couldn't quite believe it. But, you know, even I, like, you know, I did tweet that and think, you've gone big there. Because, like, as, at the end of the day, £17 million is £17 million and it would set up your family forever. And yes, I know he's not exactly on minimum wage at Fulham. But um, speaking of, though, Dean, if Marco Silva's trying to get a new contract at Fulham, this most certainly will have helped. Like 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 any of us getting a different job somewhere else and then going back to our current employers and saying, well, this company really wants me and offered me that. Uh, I don't think Fulham are quite going to offer him £17 million, but uh, it kind of, kind of hurt around the negotiating table, the fact that... Uh, he is definitely wanted by some people with very deep pockets. Yeah, exactly that. And there aren't that many avenues right now for him within the Premier League to actually explore. So I think that that is quite interesting. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe the West Ham situation opens up again if David Moyes starts next season poorly. We'll have to wait and see. But, you know, the, the typical, like, sides you'd, you'd look to go to to try and make the Champions League. Obviously, Man City's out of the question. Arsenal's out of the question right now. So is Man United. Eddie Howe, okay for right now. Jurgen Klopp, absolutely no chance that Silva's getting the Liverpool job. Brighton are fine. Um, Villa are in good shape. Tottenham have just got a new manager. So the next place you're coming to, ninth in the table, ahead of us last season, Brentford. Well, he's not going to Brentford. And then you start going down the table. Like There's not many landing spots now for Marco Silva. This is a great opportunity for Fulham to just make the most of this and actually get this deal signed. It's been so long now that this has been uh, running. I'm getting the inclination that this will happen. I think he'll get a three-year contract. I think it will be that they put a deal in front of him for the same duration as he initially signed when he came into the club. Um, He's been waiting for... The problem for Marcus Silva, he has to know that Fulham's ambitions continue to rise. And I think that that's been difficult recently because there's been so much uncertainty about what we're even injecting into our our transfer funds for this season. Obviously, he knows the situation with Palinia and that's always an uncertainty. But, you know, the new stand's there. There's more cash coming now. We're going to be in a more comfortable situation. We've just got to get through this season to make sure that we aren't the second season syndrome uh, side that um, that goes down. But once you're through this... You're looking good. And I think that Marcus Silva, as long as he gets the positive signs from Tony Khan that, you know, he's going to be rewarded with the right contract. I think he'll do this. Um, So I am much, much more optimistic this morning than I was on Friday. But Friday was a good moment for all of us to realise what we've got. Like the dread I suddenly felt of thinking next season without Marco Silva and the domino effect of who actually might still leave this summer if he goes. I can't. I literally can't. Like, I can't let this slip away. Last season was so good. And I don't feel like we're finished yet. I feel like that there's another step to go for Fulham that we can still continue. So, yeah, I'm waiting for the new contract now and I think he'll sign it. Fantastic news. I mean, Jack, ultimately, all's well that ends well. Um, but yeah, a, a tumultuous weekend. But fingers crossed. You know, And also now it's July. It is. It's when we're actually more likely to sign some players. Maybe we can we can kind of look up from here. Yeah, fingers crossed. Eh? I think I think these are the things we're hoping for, and 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 at the moment everything looks okay. So let's just let's hold tight on that for a little while. Yeah, let's though uh, address uh, a couple of uh, left wingers uh, that looks uh, like might be departing this summer. Let's start with kind of the breaking news, J.K. Mana Solomon um, has uh, been given the full Fabrizio Romano uh, treatment. It looks like he's off to Spurs. Um, five-year contract um, there. Now, we're going to come on to Willian. This one frustrates me more. I really feel like we have... We've messed up here. I don't know. There's an argument to be had, and maybe you will have that argument that was Ma- uh, Marco ever fully convinced in Mana Solomon? Not a hundred percent, but yeah, 
a little bit of penny pinching last summer and he has gone to a bigger club. It's what we all feared might happen. And I just have a sneaky suspicion we're going to regret this one. We don't regret really feel too bad about it now, but I think Manor Solomon, there is a real player in there and he will do well at Spurs. No, I agree. I think he's a really good player, but I would be more bothered if he had more of an impact last season. Let's not forget he got like a, what, three, four month injury right at the beginning of the season and was completely you know, wiped out until, what was it, Christmas or even New Year. And um, he was great for, a, what, a five-game period. But then after that, Marco didn't even select him. He was on the bench. I think he started against Villa away, but that was due to injuries. And in, in, I think Willian got an injury and, and then he started. Yeah. Um, and, then, and, then I, and then I think of Liverpool away where um, he came on. I think, did he come on? He came on for like 10 minutes, didn't clap the fans. All the other players clapped the fans. I thought, well, that's strange. Um, look, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I might do in two years time when he's absolutely, um, cutting up at Spurs, but he's going to a Spurs team who, you know, he's not going to get in the starting 11, is he? Is he? I, 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 does it make sense? I think he probably should have stayed at Fulham. There was, there was a pathway there into the first team and he would have played more minutes definitely next season. But then again, like the argument, did Marco even rate him that highly I'm, I'm not sure um we're, we're just looking at this through those rose tinted glasses of that five game period where he scored every game and he scored the same goal two games in a row we were like yeah he's a good player and he could, he's a tricky wing he can take on players he's not afraid to shoot but also his defensive work rate wasn't that good um and apart from that he didn't contribute all that too much like towards our team. Um, he helped us out in, in a very small period of the season. And it's annoying because it could have been a free transfer. We could have just got that over the line or we could have paid the 7 million last, last summer and it would have been, you know, we would have got a, a longer contract, but we didn't want to pay the money. And we're going to, whether we, whether we regret that, like you say, we shall see in the next you know year, two years. But right now I'm seeing the situation going, well, actually, I don't think his heart was completely 100% in it, especially towards the end of the season, but yeah. we shall see. I just, I, just, see. I just think, Jack, that like even, okay, Man of Solemn, how long he stayed at Fulham, don't know, but I just think it's a little investment, 7 million last year. Yeah. Even if yeah, yeah, yeah. even if Man of Solomon wasn't committed to Fulham, he wanted to go, we'd have sold him this summer or next summer, whatever, we'd have made a tidy profit off of Man of Solomon. There was a chance there last summer and from just from some extra penny pinching, and, and I, I don't, we never know how close we were to FFP last summer. Maybe Mana Solomon would, would have meant that another player might not have arrived. Maybe Issa Diop wouldn't have been possible if Mana Solomon had come in. But I don't know. It just feels like a stitch in time could have saved nine here. And, and now he's gone and kind of fair, fair enough. We don't exactly know behind the scenes, but it does feel like a missed opportunity, even just from a finance point of view. Yeah. I mean, there was a sell on clause in the original deal that we struck with Shakhtar. So I think we would have to sell him for over 10 million this summer to actually even think about turning a profit. So there's, there's that to consider, I think within the kind of heartlands of this, that maybe goes a little bit under the radar, but yeah, generally I, I have no bother with what Mana Solomon is, is doing that. I, I bear him no ill will because if, Fulham had wanted to do this we should have done it last summer it was on the table it also felt like the right thing to do last summer and I suppose the only stipulation with this is it feels you know obviously these are FIFA's rules but if you've seen any sort of interviews or, or discussion around Shakhtar's CEO and director of football he keeps being like these clubs are trying to rob us blind we're trying to survive out here in what is an incredibly difficult situation and and these football clubs are are trying to you know absolutely ruin things for us and he's talking about clubs in brazil doing the right thing and paying up for these players it looks again like like Manus Solomon's about to depart on a free and that's going to be something that hurts Shakhtar you know they still had to play for these players when they came in in the first place and so i i think the right thing to do was to buy it and i had to buy him last summer and I think the right thing to Spurs to do right now is to pay Shakhtar as well so it, it, it's a really difficult one obviously it's the business versus kind of you know a benevolence argument if you will but I just feel like there's there's something around this that makes me really uncomfortable a lot of the time um, but none of that is is, is on Man of Solomon if Fulham had wanted to do this we had the opportunity to do one last summer and and we failed to do that and that's on us as far as I'm concerned 
Yeah, I mean, it's bad, bad business last summer, though, as well as bad benevolence, if anything. It's like you've lost both arguments, really, for, for, for me. Uh, Dean? Yeah, I mean, at the time we were bulking at the money that, that Shakhtar wanted and they were finding it quite frustrating and then we end up literally snatching him away from them. Um, at the, yeah, just because of a, a legal loophole, basically, is the best way to describe it that um, allowed us to take him. And you know, Shakhtar were put out by that moment and they're even more put out by the fact that they now lost him completely and um, they'll seek compensation on this. I don't doubt there will be some sort of you know legal proceeding that will some, somehow follow this because of the noises that Shakhtar have already put out ahead of this moment. So, yeah, there's, there's that side of things. I mean, I was... I was always a little sceptical because Pini Sahavi being involved, like is it when you've got a super agent there, like there's always the potential that they're just going to look for the biggest deal that they can get. I mean, I had some hope seeing as he was the guy that was involved in bringing Mitrovic to Fulham in the first place. I thought, oh, maybe the guy loves Fulham and he's just going to help us continue to build for the future. Turns out, no, agents do seek out the biggest clubs for the biggest contracts. And look, at Tottenham, um, Solomon has got a great opportunity. I don't think the player himself... Um, would have like pushed for a mover not to be Fulham. I think that he was very, very grateful for the way that Fulham helped him in his rehab last season and and that side of things. But ultimately, like we, as we covered, he wasn't even a major part of the team. So he, he might not have even felt like a big part of it anyway. He's now going to Tottenham, where he'll probably play a similar role to the role he was playing with us. Yet he's going to be in a side that in their attack has Harry Kane, James Madison, Son, Kulisevsky. And that is a brighter prospect for any footballer, isn't it, of, of his type? Like he's he's got potential here to, to make the Champions League soon and, and things like that. So, yeah, I, I can't blame him for taking it. I, I don't think it's an amazing transfer for Tottenham. I think it's a, a good option for them. He's probably better than players like Bergvine and, and the like. So it's, it's a decent upgrade. Well, maybe not even an upgrade, but it's it's fine well, for a, them. On a free, it's fine. On a free, it, it's it, a free. It's a good deal. And this is the thing with Tottenham right now. You've seen them sign Kulusevski at like twenty three million or something, um, and they're thinking with that was well, even if this doesn't work out as we think it will, we'll sell him next year for fifty. So it's the same case here. You get Manus Solomon in on a free. You've got at least a twenty odd million pound footballer on your hands in a, in a year's time. Um, so, from a Daniel Levy point of view, is absolutely perfect. And to be honest, it kind of fits a little bit with why they might be interested in Tosin because of the value that he's available at. Now, I know I've talked about the fact that a couple of weeks ago I had this really knocked down that, that Tottenham were like majorly in for Tosin, but um, it, I do wonder now, given given the fact that they can get Mana Solomon for free and Tosin for like ten million. It's not bad business, is it? Like from a, to to bulk out your squad, those are quite good deals. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I just I I I feel like we will regret this. And there's something you know. I know that Manor had like the one trick uh, that he did uh, against uh, Wolves and Leeds. It's a good one. For me, the bright. The Brighton goal for me was an indication of his absolute quality. One touch, rocket, bang. Yeah. And it was one of those goals that I don't think many footballers can score, do score often unless you're at the kind of top level. And I think we saw fleeting moments of elite quality from Anna Solomon. He didn't produce it regularly enough. His attitude stank towards the end of the season. And look, I... I I think he'll do okay at Spurs. I think it'd be tough to get in, but I think ultimately, even if Spurs sold him three years down the line for 15 million, then they've made a profit on him. And I think that's what Fulham could have done, even if they bought him for seven. Mm. So missed opportunity there. Another left winger who looks to be on their way out. Uh, you called it a couple of weeks ago, Dean. Uh, Willian. Um, seems like we offered him a one plus one uh, contract and yeah. he has said, no, thank you. And he is officially a free agent because his contract's up. Yeah, as we said on that first show, like he, he was looking for a two-year deal and, and Fulham weren't willing to, to go there. Um, and I, I do understand the reasons around that. He's turning 35 and um, it's... Is he 34, 35? Either way. Yeah, he's like turning 35. He, it's in 35 in August, so yeah. basically, yeah. So by so we're starting next season with a 35-year-old, do you want to be giving him a two-year contract? I don't think you necessarily do, do you? Like, no matter what he gave us last season, the club have to be a little bit careful here. William would be one of the top earners at the club. And to be tying him into a contract, taking him to when he's 37 for a player of that style in that position, who's one injury away from potentially like the end of your career because of the age that you're at, 
got to be really careful. And I think a one plus one was the most sensible offer they could give. There will be teams out there willing to take a punt on him on a two year just because of what he produced last season. But I mean, could he produce that again? I don't know. Look, we might have seen the last of the great Willian. We might, that might have been his big final season. We don't know. So Fulham also had to be careful in that sense because there's not many players in that position that um, flourish when they're 36. So I, I don't, I don't want him to leave because I do think for one more year, having William would be great. But I don't really want him for two more years, to be honest. I want us to have a plan in place for other players to um, be filling that role and to assert themselves on a team that we hope is staying in the Premier League for a while. So it's a tough one. Like I've got a little bit of, of mixed emotion about it. It has so far unveiled as, as we predicted here. But look, the only, the only hope really is that he doesn't get the offers that he thinks he can get and he ends up coming back with his tail between his legs and saying, go on then, I'll, I'll sign it. But there's no sign of it at the moment. Yeah, JK, that's actually my, my question that Dean just mentioned there. Do you think there's any chance that he might just not quite get the two-year offer that he wants and uh, he still ends up back at Craven Cottage with the original deal that Fulham were happy with? Yeah, I think that that's a possibility. Um, we saw such a great season from last season. I, I was actually really surprised when actually it was rejected. I thought, oh, I thought you had a, a place in the, in the team. Your relationship with Marcus Hill was very good. He's getting the best out of you and the Fulham fans loved you. And um, I think I think there was a, a rumour over the weekend that Crystal Palace had been linked with 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 Willian, which is interesting. It would make sense. So a London team, he, he loves living in London. I suspect that wh- wherever he does go next season, it will be in London. Um, uh, or, or he might move abroad, who knows, for, for one last hurrah. I, just, I think that he should sign for another year because the continuity of the, of the, of the, of the squad... But do you agree though? Because that's why I, I saw a lot over the weekend of like, just just pay him it, just offer him it. Whatever. No, I get it from it's a financial just... point of view. I think it's risky, especially two years. The only reason he demanded a two-year contract is probably, probably because he thought he could still perform for another two years. I didn't see any sign last season that William was losing his fitness. He was losing, um, maybe losing a little bit of pace, but in terms of ability, it was it was top draw. Like he could have played in a top six team last season and, and wouldn't have looked out of place. I get it though. He must be on very, very high wages and to pay that every week to a, a player who might give you diminishing returns is risky. And I think that we're, especially over the last couple of years, we've been much more um, savvy with our, with our transfer business and, and we've looked to, you know, save money if and where we can. Like we, we saw with, with Manuel Solomon, we talked about 10 minutes ago. Um, I just think the quality of the player is what's disappointing. We're losing a quality player, even at his age. Um, but yeah. look at Tim Ream. I mean, he's still performing at his age. Still might play a big part next season at his age. And Willian has obviously got a little bit more trickery than, than Tim Ream with his feet. I, I'm i disappointed. I'm disappointed that this hasn't worked out. And, yeah. and maybe we see him come back. You never know. Yeah, it's one of those that we might have won the battle, but ultimately we've lost, lost the war, the war um, <laughs> when it when it comes to losing just a decent player next year. Um, Jack, I mean, our left side's going to uh, probably be a very different next year, particularly with uh, Robinson also subject to, to interest. And I, I thought towards the end of last season, our left side was the... That was that was that was the side that you could always count on. Yeah, hundred percent. And and I think it's going to be very interesting to see how Fulham look at replacing this. One of the things we kind of didn't talk about with Mana Solomon, and it all kind of wraps together quite nicely here. I think in that I I think that Marcus Silva likes his left winger, especially if he's got a bombing on fullback, to be a more kind of interior number ten out wide kind of player. And that's why mm. we saw so much more of Willian than we did of Solomon in that they are two very different players. Well, we do lose with Solomon and this wasn't mentioned, but that ability to come on and be incredibly dynamic and run at players towards the end of games, I think is a really useful thing to have. And and that's one of the things we don't really have lots of. We don't have players who come on and immediately go, right, give me the ball. I'm going to run at these defenders and see what I can make happen. Um, we tend to have you know slower build up, people who like to be part of the possession phases. So that's something that Fulham will have to look at in terms of replacing him. I think it's going to be very interesting to see where Fulham go on this left wing because if Willian doesn't come back, and I think that maybe the chances of him turning around and and being brought back into this fold are probably a little bit higher than, than maybe people are giving him credit for. But 
If he doesn't, then it's going to be very interesting to see what Fulham do there because it's a very specific type of player and that works in the system. Now, Marcus Silva could obviously change that system. But what we saw last year involved the number 10 sort of drifting wide and allowing them to get the fullback beyond him, allowing Anthony Robinson to bomb on and make those chances in the final third and the winger to come in and sort of create from those sort of half spaces just outside the area. So I think it's going to be intriguing to see how Fulham deal with this. Um, And I think that ultimately, centre-back aside, that left wing spot might be the most important thing we do this summer because it feels like something that is an absolute fulcrum of how the team operated last year and would probably need to be again. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a break there. Afterwards, we'll look at which players might be looking uh, to fill that void. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Part two of the Fulhamish podcast. It is Sammy here with Dean, Jack and Jack. Uh, Got some exciting news, lads, for for the start of part two. Fulhamish is going to be heading to the States. Yes, we're going to be doing a live show in Philadelphia uh, before the summer series. So really excited that uh, tickets are going on sale today. Uh, Head to fulhamish.co.uk for all the details. There's also a link in the description of this podcast. We're going to be doing a live show uh, at a bar called Milk Boy, uh, which is uh, in central Philly on the Saturday. So the game we're playing against Brentford is on the Sunday at four o'clock uh, Philly time. We're going to be doing a live show. It's going to be a lunchtime show uh, about 1.15 on the Saturday. Uh, it's going to be myself and George from Fulhamish. We're also going to be joined. Uh, it's a Fulhamish slash cottage talk collab uh, so russ goldman is going to be on stage with us and max cohen also from cottage talk is going to be on stage with us um we're hugely excited um it's it's a big old um uh, you know a little bit of a risk that we're going out there we we don't know if anyone's going to buy a ticket I, I hear there are some people that listen to us in the states i'm really hoping the stats are correct so please come and see us um the tickets are a uh, description is all in the link. Um, and hopefully you'll still have plenty of Saturday left uh, to go do whatever you do. We're, we're going to just do a live show, big preview of the summer series, talk about the season. Um, yeah, we're really, really excited. So please come down, please get a ticket. Milk Boy Philadelphia. Uh, we're also going to be at the DC game as well. We're not going to do a live event there. We're just going to be going and, and, and covering that uh, as well. So yes, if you're heading to the Philly game, please come see us. Um, we'd be hugely appreciative. And um, hopefully if it if we can go some way to um, paying back the jet blue that I'm getting uh, to America, then that would be hugely helpful indeed. So yeah, all the Tickets, uh, links and stuff are in the description of this podcast. I'm so excited to be going to the States. I've, I've, have any, any of you been to Philadelphia? No, no. Love to go. Love to go. You've uh, bucket list stuff, really, mate. You're uh, getting to do that and actually work. So that's that's a lovely pl- way to go about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, what, what what do you get in Philly? You get a, you get a, a Philly cheesesteak, don't you? In, oh, mate, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm, I think that's the only motivation to go, really. yeah i mean so excited and uh thank you so much to the guys um from fulham uh ph fulham uh for uh for helping us organize this and also the guys at fulham dc who we've been chatting to about uh doing a a few joint things with them but we're not gonna do a live event in dc but we are doing a live event in philadelphia and we are hugely hugely excited right let's do some um incoming transfers uh rather than talking about my holiday plans (laughs) um so uh, one rumour, um, Jack, that I saw coming in this week uh, that might replace uh, the left wing, Callum Hudson-Odoi. Uh, this one was reported in The Guardian by, by Jacob Steinberg. Probably be about £15 million, pounds, Jack. Um, seems like slight paper talk at the moment. Um, I mean, a player that was potentially going to be, you know, England quality. Like, this is a hell of a, a pickup if we can, but has struggled for a number of years um, with, with injuries and just general not being picked. 
Yeah, struggled at Chelsea. To be honest, struggled at Bayer Leverkusen. Now, the system probably doesn't help. Xavi Alonso plays a three at the back, which means that there's no real room for out-and-out wingers. Um, but he has struggled to make things happen. He started okay out in Germany and, and then tailed off again. So it's been another disappointing season. There are obviously going to be bad memories of recent times of taking players from up the road, which is which is a potential problem. Um, but I do think there's a player there. I just worry that the time has come and gone for Callum Hudson-Odoi. You know, Bayern offered, what, 50 million for him a couple of years back and Chelsea was like, absolutely not. He's worth more than that. I think that if you gave them that opportunity again, they might take a different course uh, with how things have actually worked out. But yeah. He's 22 though. He is 22. There is still plenty of room for growth. He's still a young player. Um, I just struggle with, you know, the idea of someone who's had this injury history and has really been out of form and out of kind of rhythm for such a while. There are things about it that send me red flags, but equally, Marco Silva has got a tune out of plenty of players that have given me red flags in terms of where they were in their careers or what's happening, you know, with them. So there's that to afford Look, if anyone could get a tune out of him, I've said this before, Marco Silva feels like the kind of player, man, manager that can, can actually get players to sing when they haven't been given the opportunities to do so in recent years. And I think there definitely is a talented footballer in there with Callum Hudson-Odoi. I'm just a little bit wary of it generally. And also... It's another one. Callum Hudson-Doy did play 10 a bit for the England Unders, um, especially a, a couple of tournaments a few years back, but does feel like more of an out-and-out out winger. And I'm not 100% sure how that quite works with Marcus Silva's system, but we shall see. Yeah. Um, Dean, have you have you heard much about uh, this particular transfer? And, and actually, just generally, Dean, what's kind of on your radar or on, on general incomings? I mean, it does feel quite quiet still out there. Yeah, I mean, Hudson Adoy, I think he's on about 120 grand a week at Chelsea, um, which is slightly um, above what we would normally be looking at. Um, but, you know, he obviously is looking for a move and having the, the pull of London to keep him here and he wouldn't have to uproot his life is obviously um, something that, that could help. Look, I, I was sceptical about signing Willian a year ago and it turns out to be one of the best signings we, we've made in recent times. So I can't really uh, question signing 22-year-old Callum Hudson-Odoi and thinking it won't be a success because it absolutely could be. Like we should, we should be getting really excited about signing Callum Hudson-Odoi. He's represented England at every single level. Um, he's got great roots in the game. He's so exciting when he's at his best. Um, I know we haven't seen that for a while, but this is an, this is an incredible player. I just wonder, like Nottingham Forest are also linked and I, I can see him being more up Forest Street in terms of um, just paying the money. So yeah, that might be something, if that comes into it, if it becomes an auction for who's going to pay him the most, then we won't win that. Um, so that will be interesting. Still think, to be honest, we've got to be looking at offloading a few players before uh, I get too excited about how many we're bringing in. Really aren't many noises out there about us making signings at the moment. Uh, I do hope that changes with pre-season now about to get underway um, because I, I want us having a proper run-up to the season with a squad and not leaving it until the last minute. But speaking to somebody the other day about, you know, what do you what do you see happening at Fulham in the next couple of weeks? And all they said was that, oh, you're trying to find a, a buyer for Muniz and um, maybe Carlos Vinicius as well. I was like, great. That's exciting. Um, so maybe we are looking at just, you know, cut, trimming the, the fringes of the squad, the players that are fine, but not quite up to it. And then, and then looking to reinvest still no real sign of what our budget is um, for this summer. I think that's one of the things that's going to be telling if Marco Silva signs his contract, then I think we can all be convinced that there's some money to spend. Like that's, that's what I'm going to take from the moment that that, that pen goes to the paper. Um, so I'll be happy about that. There's, yeah, as I say, there's not a lot out there. Fred, that, that, that is real interest. So like maybe some reason to be optimistic about that. Man United value him at 20 million pounds. I'm told we value him at around 12 million pounds um, at 12 million. Not light years apart. So yeah, not light years apart. It depends how desperate Man United are to offload him and how much they need that sort of money really because you know at the moment Man United's transfer budget 
you know, pre any takeover is about 120 million pound. They need to sign about five players and they've just spent 55 million pound on, on Mason Mount. So they've got about half that budget left to sign four players. Um, so they clearly need to make some money. Can't find buyers for players like Harry Maguire. So there's no breakthrough on that yet. Um, Fulham do have competition to sign him. I still believe that if Man United want twenty million pounds, they're most likely to get that from Saudi Arabia um, rather than anywhere else. So if that move doesn't come about to, to Saudi, then maybe we've got a chance. I'd quite like to see it. To be honest, I think I think Fred would, would be would be a really nice level of signing for this squad and, and fit in with our ethos too. But yeah, beyond that, it's it's really um, it's not that much excited about um it's it's all about say holding on to what we've got and worrying about really what we could afford to lose i was thinking actually like who would i abs- like who are the like players we could not let leave like who would devastate me and i was like well obviously palinia and mitro and i was like burnt leno like burnt leno if anyone came in for him and took him i'd be gutted like that that would really rock me because like he was so good last season worth so many points himself I was like, okay, well, they're all three quite obvious. Who would like the next two be? I'm not going to count Tom Kearney because that's just too emotional to even think about. But I honestly think it would be the, the the fullbacks. I think that Robinson and Tete are two that could potentially go that I really don't want to consider going. And these are the kind of things that will affect our transfer window because if, say, a £20 million offer did came in for Robinson, £25 million, and he ended up going, that really, really rocks your season plans because that... It's taken him a while to like absolutely nail the role precisely under Marco Silva, but he's got it now. Like you say, le- the left side of our, our team last season was so good, even though like most of Anthony Robinson's time is spent behind a pole from where I stand at Craven Cottage um, at, the, at the back of the Hammersmith. I, I can barely see him for most of the game because he's behind that pole, but um, I know that he's doing great things behind there and I see him emerge from that, 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 that pathway with the ball more often than not, or he's making a, a great uh, track back run to, to win the ball back. So, yeah, I'm sorry I can't bring more news in terms of incomings, but even like the Brendan Aronson one, you know, it, it there doesn't seem to be any reason to be too confident right now. No. Uh, JK, one thing that probably will happen this week that will spark, sadly, a domino effect is it looks like Declan Rice to Arsenal is done. If uh, papers are to be believed, that's that's 105 million, which is crazy. But obviously we know that Declan Rice is, um, is certainly uh, probably one of the brightest players uh, in, in England. But uh, yeah, it's a transfer record smashed all over the shop there. That will have the domino effect because West Ham will have that big chunk of money and those stories will raise themselves once again uh, with West Ham wanting Polina. So I feel like currently we're just bracing ourselves for, for that money to land in West Ham's bank account. Yeah, and, and whether they actually put an offer in we shall see. Um, I think slapping that £90 million price tag on him was a big old... Shot across the bow, wasn't it? Yeah, no, of course. I think I think that will ward off a lot of interest. However, West Ham are quite persistent in their interest. I think they were linked with uh, a central defensive midfielder in uh, Alcaraz, I think, from Ajax, I think. And he's Edson Alvarez with Borussia Dortmund and the Dortmund move apparently is not working out at the moment, so they might be back in for him. But but Paulinho was that name on that shortlist that they wanted to replace Rice with. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say he wouldn't fit in that team. He would. He'd be an ideal replacement, really. Um, but um, I think if Paulinho leaves, I mean, we, we talked about it last week, if Paulinho leaves, the whole, you know, Marco Silva would probably think twice about signing a contract. I think we would we would basically be, uh, we'd be falling apart, basically. he's, he's I really so- don't think, I don't think he will go to West Ham. I, I think, no. you know, you have to give West Ham a taste of their own medicine. What they've just done to Arsenal, you literally have to go and do to them. Like, you know what situation we're in, West Ham. Like, you either give us ridiculous money for this guy or you don't bother coming knocking on our door again. It's as simple as that. Um, you know, this is not the only avenue that West Ham are looking down right now. As you say, there's Edson Alvarez. There's also looking at Dennis Zachariah. Um, they like Alex Scott at Bristol City. I mean, Bristol City are valuing Alex Scott at £25 million. So if they're valuing a championship player who's still emerging at £25 million, where do they think that we're going to be stopping for an, in what is now one of the best defensive midfielders you can buy in the Premier League? So we'll, we'll stick this out. Out, I think, and and just hope that that the interest goes away. I'm happy that 
you know, Liverpool are pursuing uh, Romeo Lavia at the moment. Like, I'm pleased about that. Like, all the all the teams that I thought might be coming for Palinia, the big teams that could get him, they're not coming at the moment. And like, I'm I'm not as scared of West Ham as I would be some other clubs. Yeah. Um, Jack, on the centre-back front, um, there is still um, a couple of rumours. Igor, we talked about him a few weeks ago, still kind of there or thereabouts. One player that I don't know much about, but does sound intriguing. Uh, Roger Ibanez uh, from AS Roma, 24, uh, apparently about 30 million euros. Um, so not a cheap signing, but um from the very brief Google I've done seems exciting, but I know you'll know plenty more about him. Yeah, I really like Ibanez. Um he's he's been pretty much ever present for Roma for for the last two seasons now, although in a back three. So it's it's worth pointing that out. Um he moved across, I think, from Brazil to Atalanta uh, a couple of years back and, and and didn't really play before he went farmed out on loan to to Roma it was it was all quite strange um but he yeah then then signed permanently he's been a pretty much a, a permanent fixture he's used to be a kind of defensive midfielder slash center back hybrid but has very much played in in Mourinho's back three he he's tended to play on the left of it um but generally i i think that he's a really really good footballer I mean, he has a couple of international caps that are probably worth discussing but he yeah he he's a player that i you know roma are in a little bit of ffp trouble um they need to make a couple of sales in order to just balance the books a little bit and i think they were planning on selling Tammy Abraham to just cover the whole of it and then he got himself an injury for the last game of the season and suddenly he looks like he's out for nine months and no one is going to be buying him this summer. So they've had to shift around a, a little bit in, in that regard. They brought in Evan and Dika on a free transfer. So it means that there is potentially a space opening up for one of the centre-backs from last year to leave. We've seen Smalling, Crisante, San new deal. So it looks like Ibanez is a potential one that, that might be on the way out. Um, I, I like him. I, I have a little bit of a question mark on that. We haven't seen very much of him in a back two, um, but he's mm. a, a similar kind of defender in some ways to Igor. He likes to get on the front foot. He likes to push out. Um, he's probably not quite as good on the ball, um, but he is capable, more than capable in those kind of positions. Uh, I think that, you know, the way that we, we've seen him develop, he would probably be a long-term kind of Tim Ream replacement where we're looking at here in, in that kind of regard. But I think 30 million is obviously quite a significant sum of money. But a 24-year-old Brazilian international who's played European football, who's won trophies at European level, um, obviously was, was pretty part of the side that got Roma and won the Conference League final last year. Also got them to the Europa League final this year. I think this would be pretty smart business if this one's actually on the cards. Yeah. I mean, all we need to do is keep William, get Fred, get Ibanez. And we literally have five Brazilians that could uh, be playing for Fulham at one time. And I'm all for us trying to make a full 11 um, if if we can, which would be difficult because you've got Leno and goal and stuff, but we're not miles yeah. off, Jack. And that would be a wonderful side. Lame on the left. A, a Lucifone, yeah. a Lucifone 11. Just everyone being Portuguese and Portuguese and Brazilian, I'd be well involved with. <laughs> but everyone apart from Mitro up top. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Agreed. That, that can't change. No, no, between Mitro and Leno, right? Everyone between Mitro and Leno has yeah. to be a Lucifone. <laughs> like it. <laughs> I mean, there's a few players that are getting shipped out in order for us to, to live our dream. But, you know, we can we can have a bit of fun at the same time. Um, a, a couple of other things that have happened. Joe Bryan has joined Millwall uh, and uh, Dean mentioned it earlier. Rodrigo Muniz, Fulham are trying to tout him around. Um, although uh, apparently uh, Gremio tried to make an offer, which uh, which Fulham said uh, wasn't enough. Is there anyone else out there in the world that would uh, people would like to bring to the table before the end of the podcast? I'm more interested, like, what do you think of like Carlos Vinicius? Because obviously it was a bit, a bit of a cult hero in the end last season like obviously got the big goal against Chelsea and stuff and I did feel like he got better but like for his his size and stuff and what he should offer didn't feel that he offered enough like what do you think is like a realistic Mitro backup I don't ever know what this player should actually be because in Carlos Vinicius it looks like we've tried to just create a replica that can stand up there when Mitro isn't available but like that's not really worked ever for us we were linked with Plie from Borussia Mönchengladbach. I mean, that's the only striker I've seen that's been linked with at all since like the, the season finished. Um, 
he's like 30 years old now. Um, I'm just wondering whether a different profile of striker is what we need for a second option. Yeah. Some a bit more pace and getting behind. Um, obviously, like we played Dan James up top at Everton. Bobby Deacord over Reed has, has filled in that role as well at his time at Fulham. Um, I'm... I'm all for Vinicius staying as an option, but then again, if we need funds, then I'm more than happy for him to be to be sold, and we can look at a different profile of striker. But yeah, someone with a bit of pace. I mean, you can actually look at a player who's got all those attributes: the Mitro attribute and the, the pace, and that's Victor Jokeres, and he's off to Sporting Lisbon. So yeah, I think that's a great move for him. I think it's actually quite quite surprising he hasn't joined a Premier League team. Um, but but Coventry are going to get a very good deal for him and. I'm actually very interested to see how he gets on in Portugal. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Jack, in terms of I, I like the different profile of striker. The problem I have with Jokeres is that I can't see him playing anywhere but up top. You know, he could, I, play, actually, on, he could play wide. Yeah, I don't like it. Just the way that he plays, I don't think he suits actually getting the ball wide and into those areas. What he actually is very good at is that unleashing behind the defence. And, and mm. also, I think that there's a real point that Coventry was set up to play to Jokeres' strengths. Fulham would have to completely shift the manner. And that's not to say that they can't in terms of having a plan B, but have to shift completely around in order to play a very different style to what you're playing for Mitrovic to, to play to Jokeres. The player that I really like, and I'm, I'm nearly finished an article about Fulham's shopping list this summer and who I'd really like to bring in, um, is Hugo Kuypers from Ghent. And while I like Kuypers, there was a lot of chat about Gift Orban, who obviously burst onto the scene with, with a lot of goals last year. His strike partner, again, played with a two up top, was a guy called Hugo Kuypers. And he came from Mechelen before that, and he, where he played kind of as a 10, like an actual out and out 10. And so Kuypers can play in the 10 role. He can play as a number nine on his own. He can also play in a strike partnership in a two. That's the kind of profile that I really like for a striker coming into Fulham here in that you have options for him to play instead of Mitrovic in the you know absence of the big man, but also it allows you to build up a relationship. And also we've seen so many under with Muniz and with Vinicius getting to the end of games, Fulham looking for a goal and the two strikers up top charging around trying to do the same things. Mm. Like having a strike partnership that we're able to work in complement to each other at the end of games when you're chasing a goal, I think would be a really, really nice addition to the kind of throwing the kitchen sink at the end of games that Fulham have. And and that's the why, as a kind of player, I also don't think he'd cost that much. I think you could get him out of there for sort of eight, nine million pounds. That's why I like Kuypers. Yeah, completely. Well, look, uh, lots potentially to look forward to uh, in the next uh, few weeks. Will we get that Marco Silva contract announcement? Maybe a backtrack from William. We'll have to see, but it feels like a lot starts from from that Marco contract. Uh, so fingers crossed we can get that uh, across the line. Uh, thank you very much to my guest today, to our insider, Dean Jones. Cheers, mate. Jack number one, Jack Collins, thank you. Thank you very much, Sammy. And Jack number two, Jack Kelly, thank you. Thanks very much. Cheers. All right, have a great week. We'll have another episode of Fulham Folklore uh, dropping for you on uh, Thursday. This is a really, really fun one. Um, It's all about Peter Drury's iconic Hamburg commentary. Um, and it features uh, a 20-minute interview with Peter himself um, talking about uh, that night and stuff. So a little bit of a reminisce uh, down memory lane to, to what was a fabulous night. And, and we also uh, have a bit of a chat just generally about what makes uh, a commentary moment iconic. Uh, so, yeah, have a look for that. Uh, drop it in your feeds later in the week. And the FFC Transfer Show will return this time next week. So until then, come on, you whites. You whites. You whites.